Hey everybody, it's Matt. Um, we're here just a few minutes early uh, this morning. It is Friday, March the 20th uh, from Marble Falls, Texas, about uh, 45 minutes west of Austin, hour and a half north of San Antonio. And I uh, hope everybody's doing well this morning. Um, obviously, we're in the middle of a, a unique time, but this is a great opportunity for us to, uh, to get to hang out and uh, talk a little bit about, uh, about running. Um, as many of you have probably seen on our YouTube channel, uh, Cancer to Marathon, um, you can go back and you can kind of rewatch my story of, of how I got here and, and what running means to me and why it's so important to me. Um, but uh, today I, I wanted to focus on it and uh, have a conversation with you guys um, just about, uh, about your journeys, about uh, why running is important to you, things that maybe you've learned uh, during your time uh, of running, and uh, maybe we can share some some helpful tips with each other. Um, so, for those that don't know, my journey in running really started uh, last year. Um, my wife decided she uh, wanted to run a 5K. This was last April, and um, the 5K was going to be in October. And we decided we were going to train for this together. Um, she ended up unfortunately getting injured. Um, but, uh, I was able to, for the most part, stay healthy, at least healthy enough to keep training. And, uh, that allowed for, uh, me to, uh, to really develop this passion to get out there on a daily basis and better myself and, uh, get myself more physically fit and healthier. So, um, I've learned an awful lot over the last year, as I'm sure any of you, um, you know, that have, have been in the running space for any, uh, period of time have, um, there's just so much that you don't know going into it. It seems like it would just be putting one foot in front of the other as fast as you can. Um, and there's so much more to it um, with injury prevention, um, different types of shoes, um, you know, how to how to put together a, a race, uh, racing training block. Uh, there's just a lot involved with it. And I think everybody kind of has different ideas about what the best way to do that for themselves is. And, and that's great. I think everybody, um, you know, is a little bit, is a little bit different. And so um, it's, it's a great thing to be able to, uh, to be able to kind of customize that plan. Body. As a matter of fact, that's, that's one thing that I've learned this year has really been to listen to my body and to, um, and to not push myself harder than I need to. Um, so, Last fall, when I was training for my first marathon and half marathon, um, I was on a Nike Run Club uh, plan, and uh, I think the plan was pretty good for the most part. Um, you know, they do a nice job of, of customizing something for you, but it pushed me to get out there, you know, five or six days every week. And in some cases, um, you know, my body maybe wasn't quite to the point that it could handle that, and I did anyway, and that caused a few little aches and pains and injuries, little niggles here and there uh, that actually sidelined me for, you know, a, a week or so and probably slowed up my training. Um, so I've kind of developed a different approach um, this year. I'm not planning on running a, uh, a race uh, in 2020. Uh, if I do, it will be like everybody now uh, in the fall. Um, but my next race is going to be uh, the Houston Marathon in uh, 2021. It'll be next January. 
And uh, the reason for that was that uh, for those of you that have watched the previous YouTube videos, I had a disappointing race in uh, San Antonio uh, time-wise. I had a half marathon here in Marble Falls on a very tough course, extremely hilly course. Um, and I ran a 153 in that, and I was very happy with that time. And I felt like that time set me up uh, to run a sub four full marathon uh, about four weeks later at the rock and roll marathon in San Antonio. And, uh, I hit the wall pretty hard at, at mile 17 and a half. I had just gone out too hard as, as you hear, you know, so many stories out there. I, I fell victim to, uh, you know, my heart rate was, was high out of the gate. I was excited. Um, you know, I was in a pace group and, uh, it was a 355 pace group. And I just, I, I should have dropped back when I saw my heart rate, uh, as high as it was, but I was, I was pretty much running anaerobically from the very beginning, uh, of the race instead of waiting, you know, towards, towards, you know, the end to, to kick into that anaerobic gear. And so I really was never burning fat. I was burning through all my glycogen stores in my muscles. And, uh, of course that, uh, led to, uh, led to me hitting the wall, uh, at a fairly early point. I did finish the race. I was able to, uh, rehydrate, uh, you know, get, get some additional, uh, sugars in me and, uh, and have a, a reasonable finish to the race, uh, but was not happy with my time at all. So this year I am working on really, uh, building up my entire, uh, my entire infrastructure, my, my core, my aerobic system, um, slowly, but, um, but to make sure that I have a, just a great foundation to go off of going forward. And so, um, I've been doing some low heart rate training here the first three months um, of this year. Um, I've also been doing uh, some additional core workouts to what I was doing. And some of the changes that I've made in my training plan is since I'm not in a training block right now, um, I'm really focusing on things that are going to help with that uh, that aerobic buildup. So um, again, the low heart rate training and then also um, larger chunks of mileage that may be fewer of them. So um, as an example, I'm only running three or four times a week right now, but almost all of those runs are going to be double digit mileage type runs. Um, there's not going to be a whole lot of, of shorter, you know, six to, to eight mile type runs mixed in with that. And the reason is, is that I feel like I am able to touch on kind of that two hour um, two hour runtime, um, that has been shown scientifically to help build up, uh, your, uh, aerobic capacity. And so that has been, um, that has been a really great, um, thing for me so far. And I've seen some pretty big gains, um, in the last two months. So in, in January, just as an example, I did what would have been, uh, I guess a mathetone style test, um, where I went out, and I ran five miles uh, on the track, just a flat surface, um, at my uh, maximum aerobic function number, which is uh, 143. So if you don't know how to calculate that, it's basically 180 minus your age if you're following the, the math tone method of, of heart rate training. Um, and uh, so minus 143. And uh, I went out there, I ran that. And then uh, recently, about a week and a half ago, I went out and I did that again. And at that same heart rate, um, I was running at a pace that was about a minute and 15 seconds faster per mile um, than it was when I first started. 
And so that's a huge gain. And supposedly, um, when I move that up to my raised heart rates, which will be, you know, about 15 beats per, per minute, uh, you know, faster than what I'm currently running, um, it, then those gains should apply at that faster heart rate as well. So, you know, if my, if my race pace was, uh, you know, ordinarily 845, uh, you know, maybe I'm a 730 now at that same, um, at that same effort level. So that is, uh, that is a pretty, pretty good jump. And uh, again, just about two months worth of training. So I'm going to continue to do that uh, for at least three months and uh, maybe up to six months is, is the range that they recommend. And uh, you can learn more about this. If you, uh, if you Google uh, Phil Maffetone or Maffetone method, you can, can learn a little bit more about this, but um, I, I wasn't sure whether or not I should be a believer in this, uh, decided to give it a try and so far so good. So I'm going to stick with it. Um, I've heard a lot of really, really great stories. And again, I've got all year to really, uh, to really build myself up. And so this is a great time to do that. Um, as I get closer to the race, um, starting at the very end of October, uh, which would be, uh, about 13 weeks out, uh, from the race. I am going to uh, to start building my mileage even higher than what I'm running right now. Um, you know, I'd like to get somewhere between that 50 and 70 mile a week range, um, and then also add some speed work as we get a little bit closer um, as well. And uh, so that'll that'll kind of help me recruit some some faster twitch muscle fibers uh, to go along with my my slow twitch muscle fibers that I've built up for my endurance. And uh, hopefully um, allow for me to hit my goal time, which I think uh, coming up next January, my goal time is going to be around three, three hours and 30 minutes uh, for the marathon. I would like to eventually, uh, you know, try to make a run at that three hour time um, as, as many people do and, and try to qualify for the Boston Marathon. But um, I, I don't know that that by next January, I'll be ready quite yet to hit those times. Uh, that being said, I think 3.30 is is definitely doable. And if it looks like as I'm getting closer, you know, perhaps I can I can challenge that uh, that three uh, minute time. Uh, who knows? I'm not going to not going to shut the door on that potential. Um, but I've learned so much over the course of the this past year. Um, it, the big thing everybody thinks about, uh, you know, when they think about running, you know, along with the, the training plan is is the shoes. Um, I think that that's kind of a fun thing for runners, um, but it's also very important as I found uh, with prevention of injury. And there definitely is a case for having, um, you know, a, a rotation of running shoes. Uh, I tried uh, at the very beginning and, and I'll show them to you here. Let's. So when I first started, um, I purchased these. These are the New Balance 880s. And I was still planning on running uh, just the 5K at that point in time. And so I went to a specialty run store, which I certainly recommend for anybody that's that's looking to purchase um, running shoes. Go in, get yourself fitted properly um, at a specialty run store. And the gentleman at the run store um, you know, gave me uh, three or four different choices based on uh, my gait. And uh, I, I do have a neutral stride, so I'm not a, an overpronator or a supinator. I, I have a pretty neutral stride, so a neutral running shoe was right for me. And uh, this was a shoe that he recommended would just be a great daily trainer for me for that 5K race. 
Um, you know, I, I was trying to do a, a good job of training for that, but more than anything, that was my first race. And, and I was trying to get comfortable with the whole training process. Um, this shoe did really well for me until I decided that the 5k wasn't going to be enough, uh, mileage for me. And I started, uh, you know, getting my, my, uh, my daily runs up there in the, you know, eight to, to 10 mile range, in which case this midsole foam, and this is last year's 880. So this is the, the 2019 880. Um, this midsole foam just really compressed and uh, it actually uh, irritated my hips uh, when I get up to those higher mileage. So, um, you know, again, just, just be aware of what the shoe that you're running in is truly made for. I think this is a great shoe. Um, it was a, a really comfortable shoe. I even use it, you know, for walking still. But it was just not the right shoe for the application I was looking to uh, to use it for. Um, so I uh, I canned those and I decided uh, to go with a shoe that was really highly rated uh, last summer. And if you've watched if you've watched a number of YouTube videos, you've seen people talk about this shoe. And uh, this is the Razor Three. Now this is a little higher tempo shoe. Um, at the point in time that I bought this, I was looking at it for its cushioning, which it's got a, what they call a hyperburst midsole foam. Um, and I was also looking for something that I could run higher mileage in. And this gave me those things. I didn't realize what a high tempo shoe it was going to be though when I purchased it. And what I mean by that is the way that this shoe is built, if you look at the bottom of it, it has uh, right across the bridge here, right across the arch area, um, it has this, uh, this design feature called an M strike zone. And basically what that is, it's a midsole strike zone. So when you're, when you're coming across in your gate, the shoe is designed for you to be a midfoot striker and then roll off to the heel. So it's got quite a bit of a rocker on it and it really does propel you forward. And this shoe, um, helped me build up my, my stride rate. Um, I was able to, to go from having kind of an upper 160 stride rate to close to a 180 stride rate uh, during my strides per minute uh, rate during my, my training block. And um, it, it was largely because of the feel that this shoe gives you. It just really does a nice job of propelling you forward. It also does a great job of protecting you. Now, I don't think I would run a marathon in this shoe. This would be a great shoe for a half marathon. Um, I don't know that it has quite enough cushioning to run a marathon in it. Um, but for training, it really uh, did a nice job for me. Um, fast shoe and probably my favorite shoe to wear even to this day. Um, just very, very comfortable, very lightweight. Um, the, uh, I believe the shoe itself you know, weighs somewhere in the six to seven ounce uh, range. So very, very light. Um, the upper is very breathable. So for the hot days that we have here in Texas, uh, that worked out very well. Um, as well as it's, it's fairly water resistant too. So if you're running and you step in a puddle of water, um, it, it mostly rolls off. It doesn't absorb into the shoe. You don't get your sock wet and just build blisters and things of that nature. So um, this is a shoe that I'm still very, very high on. Um, I've got almost 200 miles in these right now, and uh, they could probably go for another hundred or so. The outsole rubber has worn down on it. So the traction is not as good as it used to be. Um, so I do save these for, uh, for more tempo days, which I'm not doing a ton of now. 
Um, and they're a lot of fun to take out to the track. You can really get going on the track with these. So a highly recommended shoe, um, the Skechers uh, Razor 3 Speed. Um, around Christmas time, I asked for some shoes to go into what I had planned for 2020 as far as my training. And one of those shoes was a shoe that I had heard an awful lot of great things about. Um, and I'd also tried on at the, the specialty running stores uh, before. And that is the New Balance Fresh Foam Beacon. Um, it's a lightweight shoe similar to the Skecher uh, Razor 3, but it doesn't have quite that rocker. It's uh, designed a, for a little bit easier paces um, so that you don't feel like you have to go fast all the time in it. Um, and, uh, I was looking at this as kind of a mid mileage type shoe. Um, I really loved the way that the shoe felt, uh, when I was running in it at the store. Um, that being said, I have to say, since I've been running in it, uh, this spring compared to another shoe that I'll show you in a second, I haven't, I haven't loved it as much as I thought I would. Um, this midsole foam, this fresh foam. It's good. It provides a reasonable amount of protection, but it also, um, it, it's, uh, you can really feel the road underneath your feet with these. And so if you like that feel and, and you like having a little bit less shock absorption than what a true maximal cushion shoe would provide, this one might be for you. Um, I really do like the hill counter on this. I know it's, it's taken a little bit of a beating from others that have reviewed the shoe. Uh, but I do like this, this flare here in the heel, heel counter. It does keep that away from your Achilles tendon. And there is some structure here um, that's built into it that really holds your, your, uh, your ankle in nicely, um, you know, without adding much additional weight to the shoe. And so I've been, uh, been a big fan of that. Um, really light shoe, good shoe, um, but compared to the other shoe that I've run in, um, I haven't really loved the feel of it um, on the concrete, which is primarily what I run on. I'm running on asphalt because we don't have a lot of trails nearby. And so, um, you know, a, a, again, a reasonable amount of cushioning, but you're still going to feel that shock coming up your legs into your knee and into your hip. And so um, I would recommend it, you know, maybe for, for six mile type runs but you probably don't want to go up, you know, much more than eight or so with this particular shoe. I don't know that the, the midsole foam uh, really can handle that. The other shoe that I asked for was the Hoka Clifton six. And my idea was is that I would wear the new balance beacon uh, for again, runs that were, were kind of under 10 miles and that this would be my long run shoe. So really anything 10 miles and above, I would run in the Hoka and this has been an awesome shoe. And, and it may be one of the reasons that I don't love the beacon as much as I thought I would. Um, it's a max cushion shoe. Um, so obviously it has more cushioning than the beacon, um, but it does a great job of absorbing um, the shock from uh, all the asphalt that I run on, 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 you know, three times to four times a week basis. Um, it's also a little bit grippier. It's got this outsole rubber. So it's a little bit grippier and it's not a ton heavier than the beacon. It's uh, still under 10 ounces uh, for the shoe. 
Um, the upper is pretty well built up. Um, so it feels a little bit more substantial than the upper on the, um, on the beacon did, which I don't know whether that's a good or a bad thing. Um, you know, both of them, I think have very comfortable uppers on them, but, uh, but this one definitely has some great cushioning. That being said, you do feel like you're fighting the ground a little bit more when you, uh, when you push off on the shoe, it takes a little while to get used to having kind of that light foot strike. It does have a rocker built in similar a, a little bit to the, uh, to the sketcher shoe that I showed you earlier, the razor three, although not as extreme. Um, but it, it, because this, this foam, this midsole foam compresses so much, you do feel like you're having to push off a little bit harder maybe than what you would with something that doesn't compress quite as much like the beacon. So um, occasionally my knees will feel a little bit more sore after a run in this shoe um, than they do in something like the beacon, not because of the shock that's coming up through. There's actually far less shock that's coming up um, you know, through this midsole into my, my leg, into my drivetrain. Um, but more so, uh, because of the force I'm having to push off with. So it's almost like, uh, it's almost like I'm building up my muscles in my knee, um, and getting more of a workout with this shoe, um, but less of a, less of a, a beating on those, uh, those joints, if that makes sense. Um, so I really, really like this shoe. The one thing I would say, um, I've got, I've got a semi wide foot. It's not, not super wide. Um, but if you've watched reviews of this shoe on YouTube, um, you've probably heard people talk about the width of the forefoot. And this is a pretty narrow uh, forefoot. It's not, not super narrow, but it, it's definitely not generous. And so uh, I do have a little bit of rubbing on the inside of my big toe right here that's not necessarily the most comfortable. Um, I have learned if I wear um, like non-compression socks, if I wear just regular socks with this, uh, athletic socks with this, uh, that does help with that cushioning uh, there. Uh, I have not gotten a blister from it, but I could definitely see the potential in getting something like that if you did have uh, you know, a little bit wider foot. Um, they do have this particular shoe available though, and I believe it's a 2E. Um, it's one of the few uh, Hoka models that has uh, a, a little bit wider shoe available. I don't think with my foot that would be necessary, but uh, it is good to know for, for some. But uh, a big fan of the shoe. Uh, the other thing I like about the shoe is that it feels a little bit like my, my distance racing shoe, uh, my marathon racing shoe, um, which last September when I was um, you know, planning on, on running this marathon and I'd started my marathon training block, um, I treated myself, uh, I bought a, a pair of marathon shoes that was a little bit of incentive for me to continue to push through, uh, some of the, some of the trials that I was having during, uh, during training. Um, one of which was, was pretty bad IT band syndrome. Um, I don't think my body was quite used to, um, the mileage that I was putting it through some of the paces that I was putting it through. And, uh, the IT band was, was IT band in my hip. Uh, were two areas that were really giving me a hard time. And so um, so just to give myself some incentive to push through that on a daily basis, it was nothing that, you know, rest was going to really help. I just needed to, to kind of loosen up um, that area. Um, I went out and I bought myself 
a pair of the Nike Vaporfly Next Percents, which I know were a very controversial shoe last year and, and now are the um, old model of what's now the, the Nike Alpha Fly uh, Next Percent. Um, this shoe is an awesome shoe to race in. Um, it is very different from any other shoe I've ever tried on. And that was evident in the store. And it was so evident to the point that I almost didn't buy it because it doesn't feel like a traditional running shoe. Um, I heard a reviewer online uh, say that the first time they put it on, it felt like a clown shoe. I think it does. Um, I still think it feels like a clown shoe. Um, the vapor weave upper here um, has kind of a, a plasticky feel to it. Um, it's, it's a little bit like what was on the, the Skechers, uh, Razor 3. The, uh, the Skechers, uh, has, has that similar feel. It's breathable, um, and it's water repellent, but it's, um, it, it's definitely a, a different, a different feel on the top of your foot. And like the Razor 3, and I don't think I mentioned this, uh, the tongue is also flat on here, um, which if I'm going to complain about this shoe, that's my complaint is in the lacing area. There isn't any cushioning built in there, I think, just to save the weight. But um, it, because of that, it can be a little harsh on the top of your foot. Um, so the first time that I ever ran in the shoe was a, a long run that was about three weeks before my half marathon last fall. And when I really cinched down the laces, um, it... it caused the top of my foot to cramp fairly, fairly badly. Um, so then the second time that I ran in the shoe, I, I figured I needed to take it out one more time before the half marathon, just to make sure that I got this part right. Second time I didn't lace it up quite as tightly, but my foot slipped towards the front a little bit more. And, uh, I ended up getting a black toenail from the front of this as well. Um, so I'm still not sure that I've, I've totally, after wearing the shoe four times for, you know, long runs and then a half marathon and a marathon, Still not sure that I've, I've fully figured out what's best for me right here. I think I'm going to wear a little bit thicker sock probably next time with this shoe. I was wearing a compression sock the first time around, and it really did kill the top of my foot um, to the point that in the marathon, I even had to stop briefly and, uh, and loosen up the laces because my foot was cramping up so bad. Um, but I really do love the shoe. Um, again, it's a carbon fiber plated shoe, which I know has been uh, you know a hot topic. Um, it's, it's cool doing guys. There is, there is an advantage to this shoe. The very first time that I wore it, I'd been wearing the, the Razor 3 Skechers and I, I went out and I was running at the same pace and effort level that I'd normally run maybe an 830 mile in um, with the Skechers. And uh, I, I wasn't even really paying that close of attention to my watch just because I knew what that pace felt like. And I looked down at my watch, I'm running like a 715. Um, in this shoe, which is, which is huge. I mean, anybody that anybody that's ever gone out and, and run, they, they know that the difference between those two numbers is, is pretty significant. Um, and I was able to sustain that effort uh, for a fairly long period of time. The carbon fiber plate just makes this a really stiff shoe. Um, you know, you really can't, can't bend it, you know, forwards or side to side. Um, because of that, it's probably a pretty good stability shoe too, for those that might uh, you know, pronate or, or supinate. The only concern for those folks might be in the upper where there's not a whole lot of buildup here. It's, it's pretty, pretty uh, flimsy just to, to save weight. Um, but it, it is a super fast shoe, guys. And, and I've tried to save this, you know, for special runs, for races, 
I think I've got about 72 miles on these right now, and I will be saving them uh, for the Houston Marathon next year, um, as well as any um, additional races that uh, might come either before or after that. But I wouldn't probably run anything less than like a 10K maybe in this. Uh, I think the Skechers Razor 3 would be sufficient for uh, for a race like that. Um, that shoe is also a lot less expensive. It's about half the price of this one. This is about uh, a $250 shoe versus uh, the Skechers Razor 3, I believe is $129. Um, and so anyway, this is, this is an awesome shoe, but it, it kind of helped, uh, it kind of helped motivate me through the training block. And like I was mentioning, uh, with the forefoot, um, and midsole foam on this compared to the Hoka Clifton six, they actually have a similar feel in that there's, they've kind of got that trampoline effect, um, to the way that the midsole foam reacts. Now the Zoomax is going to propel you more. Um, whereas the, uh, the Hoka, the midsole foam on that, which is, I believe is ProFly uh, midsole foam is going to absorb more shock. Um, and it's going to feel similar to this, but it's just not going to be quite as responsive on that toe off as, uh, the ZoomX foam is. Um, so this is special stuff. I have not had a chance to run in the alpha fly, nor do I have the budget to purchase an alpha fly. Um, but just know if you, if you are considering buying a shoe for racing, um, you're gonna, you're gonna feel it. It's gonna help you out, um, you know, to have, to have something like this. And so many people have these shoes now that, I mean, is it, is it really still, you know, uh, it's probably a disadvantage not to have the shoe in all honesty, because there is something there and it, it truly will make you uh, a more efficient runner over those long distances. So that's kind of what I've learned shoe wise, uh, you know, over the past, over the past year or so. Um, I know we've talked a little bit about the training block at the very beginning of this live stream and then the shoes. Uh, the other thing for me has, has been in race nutrition has been something that I've really had to learn and am still very much learning. Um, obviously I'm not an elite runner. I'm not even a sub elite runner. Um, you know, I'm, I'm an everyday runner and uh, because of that, I can't have my own water bottles and nutrition, you know, at the aid stations along the, along the route. And so then the question becomes, okay, how, what nutrition do I carry and how do I carry that nutrition with me? Um, so for my half marathon, uh, last November, really, I was just concerned about staying, uh, staying hydrated. I wanted to bring a little bit of nutrition with me. I later kind of learned that, that for the half marathon, that's probably, um, you know, that's probably not something to, to really worry about a whole lot. Um, you know, as long as you have a, a good, uh, a good breakfast the, the morning of, um, and then, you know, figure out a way to, to, you know, stop by an aid station somewhere along the course and, and chug some water. Um, you're probably okay for a half marathon, but the marathon is just so different. Um, it's, it's such a, a unique beast to itself. Um, in that you do have to run, you know, some of it aerobically and some of it anaerobically. And if you start running anaerobically, you're going to burn through those glycogen stores. And if you run out, then you're going to hit the wall and that's going to be the end of your race. Um, you know, you may not, you may not, uh, decide to tap out of the race. You may still be able to finish, but competitively that's going to be the end for you. And so, uh, for the half marathon, I actually, uh, being kind of a naturalist as far as what I eat, I actually tried to um, eat some, some oatmeal raisin cookies uh, for that race. That was a bad idea. Um, I had tried a number of different things that I could eat in um, in training, uh, 
Um, I had not tried those oatmeal raisin cookies actually during training, but I, I had eaten them before with no GI issues or anything like that. Um, what I found is that um, they would expand in my mouth and in my throat, and it made it difficult for me to breathe as I was eating them. Um, I also found that with a lot of the energy bars that you can find out there, like the RX bars um, and, and uh, things of that nature, uh, just that they were really chewy um, and hard to consume when you were running, kind of got your breathing pattern off. Um, and so you, you were kind of fighting your nutrition as well, which you don't want to do. Um, so I scrapped that. And for the marathon, I went to gels and, uh, and water, which again, the reason I stayed with water was I was really trying my best not to put any kind of refined sugars or anything like that into my body. I wanted everything to be as natural as possible. Um, and, um, you know, is, remain as healthy as possible through the race. Um, so the gels that I used and I tested them ahead of time, uh, were Huma plus gels, um, strawberry lemonade flavor. And, uh, they actually tasted really good. Um, they went down a little bit like, like a thin applesauce might be, or a, almost like a baby food, uh, like a, a baby fruit, food, fruit consistency might be going down. So they were really easy to palate. They were uh, chia seed based. Um, so they had a little bit of protein in them as well. They had a little bit of caffeine in them. Um, and so, uh, and, and carbohydrate wise, I believe they're about 24 grams uh, of carbs per packet, which my goal was to, uh, to consume two of those packets every hour, giving me about 50 grams of carbohydrates, which is about the most that your body um, can, uh, can process you know, per hour just to keep my, my stores up. And I was doing that from the beginning of the race and had enough gels with me. I had kind of a fanny pack, uh, on, I had enough gels with me to last me throughout the race. Um, that being said, even during my, even during my practice runs, I didn't really feel like they were making a huge difference for me. So while they went down well and nutritionally, they should have been helping me. I just wasn't really feeling it. I kept on kind of hitting the wall right around mile 18 during training runs. Um, I didn't know if that was, you know, a lack of hydration um, or what the case was. Um, at that point in time, I was running with uh, just a hydration belt like that. Um, it has uh, about 20 ounces worth of fluid that you were able to carry along with you. And uh, I was just using water and uh, that that really wasn't enough uh, for the you know, three hour long uh, long runs that I was running. I should really be consuming about, you know, 20 ounces of water per hour, somewhere between 16 and 24 ounces is, is kind of the rule of thumb. Um, and so I think uh, in, in hindsight and from what I learned through the marathon, really, I was getting just as dehydrated as I was. Um, you know, burning through my glycogen stores and maybe pushing the pace a little bit too fast too early. Um, so that was a really good learning experience for me um, as well. Uh, the other thing that I was doing from a nutrition standpoint was I was, before I went out for my long runs and my races, I was, I was uh, using UCAN, uh, making a UCAN shake. And I'd heard some really great things about this from other runners. I just don't know that it worked for me, guys. I, I, I haven't really been able to tell much of a difference when using this and not using this. Um, the whole philosophy behind UCAN is that it's, it's, it's fairly natural. Um, it's a, it's a starch and you make a shake with it. And, uh, when you drink that shake, um, when you drink that shake, 
it um, it is supposed to stay in your gut um, and be just a really slow burning source of energy over the course of about three hours. Um, I just didn't I just didn't feel it, and I was using this with the human gel, so I was kind of doubling up as well as drinking water. And again, uh, I didn't feel like it gave me really much of a boost of energy. Certainly didn't keep me from from cramping up badly um, and uh, losing some of my mobility and, and hitting the wall. Um, so what I've done since then, and I, and since, since the marathon, which was December 8th of last year, um, you know, I've run a number of long runs longer than a half marathon distance. And actually just yesterday, because what else are we going to do right now? Right. We're, uh, we're kind of stuck with coronavirus stuff. Um, I, I went, I just did a low heart rate marathon yesterday. Um, and I'll tell you what guys, um, the, uh, the things I'm about to show you right now, I feel like have really made a huge difference for me. Um, I've had a long run of 20 miles uh, in addition to the the marathon that I ran yesterday. Um, so, first thing is is a hydration vest. Um, now, again, I don't know that this really solves my race problem, right? Because if I'm trying to ultimately run a three hour marathon at some point in time. Um, I probably don't want to be lugging this around. The vest itself weighs just a little bit less than a pound, um, but it has a two liter bladder uh, that you can fill up with uh, either water or your favorite uh, you know, sports drink, whatever the case might be, uh, fruit juice. Um, and it has a hose that'll run around to the front and you just, you drink out of that hose from the bladder. Um, I love this thing. It's been awesome. Um, Two, two liters is equivalent to about a, a gallon worth of fluid. Um, so that is, you know, that's, that's roughly two and a half hours uh, worth of hydration for me um, going at that um, 16 to, to 24 ounce uh, an hour pace that we mentioned a little bit earlier. Um, and this has been just a lifesaver for me. It's really made running fun. Um, and it, it doesn't weigh that much when you put the, the bladder in and it's full, uh, this weighs about five pounds and it equalizes pretty nicely in the small, in the small of your back. Um, so that once you've run with it once or twice, you really don't notice, uh, this is a Nathan vapor air. Um, this is the, the first version of the vest. They have a second, uh, vapor air two now, uh, but I got this on sale for about $80, uh, which was a great deal. And I have absolutely loved this vest. Um, the hydration supplement that I'm putting in there, and I had to be kind of talked into this because um, as you guys know, I, I'm very anti-refined sugars of any kind, um, but Tailwind uh, has been amazing. It's been an amazing find. Now, it's pretty, it's pretty clean as far as, um, you know, any additional additives um, basically it's, it's very, very basic sugars, um, that don't have to be, your body's able to process very quickly, basically. So unlike the, you can, where it's designed to kind of stay in your stomach and be a slow burn, this stuff's designed to be like gasoline. Um, you know, you drink some of it and you burn through it and you drink some more. And, um, what I typically try to do is I try to drink, um, about a cup, uh, of this every half hour. Um, so a, a cup of this, um, basically my, my, uh, my bladder that I have for the vest, uh, again, can hold, uh, about a gallon 
of, uh, of fluid. And typically I put about four scoops. You can put up to about six scoops um, in that quantity of water. Um, but I typically put about four just so I'm not consuming more sugar than I need to. Um, and I try to drink about a cup of fluid, at least a cup of fluid, um, every half hour or so when I'm out on my run. So what that means for me personally at, at my paces um, is I typically will just take a couple of sips from my hose um, every mile that I run. So when my watch tells me, hey, you know, you've hit another mile, I'll go ahead and I'll go to that hose and I'll sip a couple of sips. And that has made a huge difference for me. Um, yesterday when I was out on my run, I did run out of, uh, of fluid at about mile 15 or 16. And I could really feel it right around mile 21 or 22. I started becoming pretty dehydrated and I started cramping up pretty badly. And uh, again, that's that doesn't seem to be due to lack of fitness for me. It seems to be due to hydration and nutrition. And so the real challenging thing going forward, and I would love it if people would tell me, you know, kind of what they've been doing, because it seems like there's a lot of people out there that are having the exact same problem. If you don't want to take the nutrition at the, um, and the stations at the aid stations throughout your race, what, how do you, how do you transport your, your nutrition with you? Or do you have people staged along your race route, um, you know, that can hand you bottles? Um, that would certainly be a pretty optimal situation as well. Um, but, uh, but this is kind of all in one so that you don't necessarily need the gels. You get hydration, you get electrolytes, um, you get carbs. Um, you basically get everything that you need from this one mix. And I would love it if I could just use this at a race. Um, that being said, uh, most races are going to have Gatorade Endurance or some of those uh, more higher marketable products. Um, and a lot of times they have additives in them that are, are really bad for you. And, uh, so while this is sugar, it's simple sugar and I'm not taking in more than I need to. And my body's really burning it up, um, uh, you know, when I take it in instead of storing it. And so, you know, I'm, I feel as comfortable as I can, uh, you know, taking in a product like this. Um, I did get the caffeinated version. My body doesn't seem to, um, react uh, negatively to caffeine, as far as heart rate goes, it doesn't seem to spike my heart rate, um, which again, I'm really working towards being more of a heart rate runner. Um, because that does seem to allow me to determine whether I'm building fat or excuse me, whether I'm burning fat for energy or whether I'm burning, uh, glycogen for energy. And, uh, for me, that's a very, a very big thing. And I think for most marathoners, that's a very big thing. Um, at the end, in the last six miles, you got to let it go no matter what. But up until then, how many, how much of those stores are you able to conserve um, to make sure that you're able to, you know, to give that great push at the end? Um, so that's that's the main thing for me. But the caffeine um, in this product seems to keep me more mentally sharp uh, throughout the race. Also, um, so there's there's hitting the wall, which is a physical thing and bonking, which is a mental thing in a marathon. And bonking is where you just kind of start losing your cognitive function due to, you know, all the, all the calories you've been burning, all the energy you've been burning. And uh, the caffeine seems to, to help keep me, keep me pretty uh, acute uh, during that time. So um, anyway, that's, that's what I've been doing a little bit differently this year for uh, 
race to nutrition and hydration. And again, it's working out great during training. Um, I don't know if I'm going to take any gels with me. Uh, I probably will just as backup uh, during my next race. Um, but, uh, you know, optimally I would just be drinking that stuff and I just need to figure out what the best way, um, to go about doing that will be, or, you know, maybe I break down and I just, you know, use the, the sports drinks, uh, we'll see, but that's helped a ton. And obviously that, that, uh, because it's, it's also a hydration product. Um, you know, there's no need to, to drink just straight water either. You just kind of come up with the right, the right mix of that and carry it with you. Um, so those have been some of the big lessons that I've learned, you know, over my first year of running, um, you know, I've been running high mileage since, uh, since the beginning of September last year. So what about seven months or so now? Um, so I am not an expert at any, in any stretch of the imagination, but, um, again, I've learned to listen to my body. Um, and so I kind of know what my body's told me works. And yours could be completely different, but this is this is what tends to work for me. Um, the the other thing that I've really found, and it kind of goes back to the mileage, is that um, if your if your plan or your ideal um, you know your ideal uh, week um, asks you to run, you know, four times a week. And you get up the day that you're supposed to run and you feel terrible, or maybe you were up the night before and, um, you know, you had uh, delayed onset muscle soreness throughout the night and you didn't sleep well. Take, take the day off guys. Um, you know, your body needs that time to recover between runs so that it can build up itself so that you're better next time. Um, if you don't give it that time to do that, basically you're just continuously breaking down your body. Um, so I always give myself a day off between my runs. Like I said, I run high mileage. I don't really have a whole lot of middle distance runs. It's, it's primarily high mileage. And so, um, run that high mileage, give yourself that day off. And then if that next night running into, you know, the day that you're supposed to, to go on your run, uh, you know, your body feels super sore don't push it. Don't push it at all. Maybe you can do kind of a light, um, a light cross, cross training day that day, do some body weight exercises or something like that, that day instead. Um, but let your body recover to the point that it feels, you know, at least 80 or 90% before you go out on that next run and you tear it down again. Um, it has to have a chance to gradually be able to build itself up. So you can't just be breaking down, breaking down, breaking down, and then figure that you're going to see a spike up all of a sudden. You have to be breaking down, letting it recover a little bit higher than what it was, breaking down again, recover a little bit higher than what it was. Um, and uh, ultimately, that's how you're going to see those long-term gains. Um, I'm using Strava this year. I used Nike Run Club last year just because it was more of a training plan. I'm loving Strava and I'm loving, um, there is a, an app, uh, that you can get for Strava called elevate and by app, what it is, it's, it's actually, it's a browser extension. So if you have Google Chrome as your, as your web browser, if you go to, uh, the settings menu in Chrome and you go down to extensions, um, there's a store in there just type in elevate for Strava. And what this will do is it will upload your data from Strava. Um, it'll allow you to kind of type in some numbers to, to customize it for yourself and your typical race paces. 
And then it will calculate all sorts of very interesting uh, things. But uh, one of the things that I really like is it has a way to track um, your body's recovery and uh, when you should, you know, consider running again and when you should rest. And uh, and then also kind of leading up to races, what's going to be the ideal way to get you to where you're fit um, and your fatigue is as low as possible. Uh, on race day, as opposed to having your fitness low, but your fatigue level being great. Um, you know, you're able to kind of find the best happy medium between those two. Um, it is phenomenal. Um, and it's a lot of fun to look at after your workouts, just to see, uh, where you're at and it projects out to, um, you know, what day your body is going to be ready to run, um, you know, again, and, and, and give you some sort of an idea of what sort of mileage you should be running. Uh, that day based on what you've run in the past. Um, so it, it's, it's a really cool plugin and I highly encouraged for all of you guys. Um, but with that being said, that's, that's really all I've got today. Um, you know, I know this is the first time that we've really done a running video. Certainly first time we've ever done a live stream, um, on cancer to marathon. Um, but, uh, the first time we've ever done a running video and I'd like to kind of start going in that direction um, as you guys know, um, you can go onto the channel you can see my story. You can see a little bit about my uh, nutrition philosophy and how, how that came to be through my recovery from uh, acute myeloid leukemia, um, you know, diagnosis six years ago to now. Um, but uh, this is really a, a, something that I'm passionate about, both helping people that have uh, diseases that are, um, you know, potentially life-threatening diseases um, and then also, also, uh, the running space, that's, that's my hobby. That's my passion. And so the more we can share in that direction too, um, you know, the more I'd like to go that way. I typically don't, you know, go out and film myself running or anything like that. You might have seen some other YouTube channels. Seth James Damore is a great one. Um, Kofuzi is a great one. You have lots of, of review channels, um, out there as well. Um, I like the extra mileist a lot. Uh, Florist Gearman, he uh, he's a big low heart rate guy, and I've learned a lot uh, watching his podcast. But um, basically, you know, I'm just sitting here in front of a webcam sharing what I've learned with you guys. But when I'm out on the roads, I like to be focusing on improving and not so much getting creative video shots and things like that. I think that's wonderful. Don't get me wrong. Um, it's just not. Um, it's just not what I want to be doing when I'm out on the roads and, and training. I want to be uh, making the biggest gains that I can uh, when I'm out there. So um, I hope you guys have enjoyed this today. Um, again, this is this is our first run through all this. Uh, would love to have your comments um, in the the description of or in the comments below the description of the video once we get done. Uh, just on on what you'd like to you know hear about next or uh, you know things that I can do differently next time to better serve you. And um, again, thank you so much for for showing up and tuning in. And uh, we will look forward to doing this again sometime soon. And uh, certainly, if you if you know anybody who would like to to share their own story on you know on our channel, we're building our subscriber base uh, slowly but surely on this channel, and uh, would love the opportunity to um, to share their story and allow them to help other individuals. All right, you guys have a great day today. Uh, stay safe, social distance yourselves, and. Uh, We'll see you soon.